It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. Close out the week here. It is Pushing the Limits on your Friday here on AM 1400 KSHP in Las Vegas, streaming on the World Wide Web on YouTube, TikTok, and beyond. PTL Vegas. You can find us all over the web. My name is Chris Wynn. The phone number is 702-221-7283. I'm Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. Brian back on Monday and will be hosting the show. So, uh, a lot of you PTL faithful out there fired up about that, no question about it. And uh, it's a Vegas weekend, so we've got a whole heck of a lot going on. We just had the East-West Shrine game here in town last night at Allegiant Stadium. A lot of college football's young players and uh, prospects for the National Football League were on display. Got a chance to check out that event. It was pretty cool. Uh, sponsored, obviously, by the Shriners Hospital for Children. And so, uh, great that it was, uh, it was something that coincided with that. Of course, this weekend is the Pro Bowl here in Las Vegas at Allegiant. So there's going to be a lot of festivities going on, a lot of extracurricular activities all over the Las Vegas trip with that. So that's really cool. In the second hour today, Tim Ugglesby is going to join us. He's the host over on Fox Sports Radio of Heatway Sports on the weekends. Yeah, he's pretty wired in when it comes to all things sports. So we'll jump into a lot of topics because of, now that uh, there's a retirement of Tom Brady, it's created a very intriguing situation regarding free agency in the NFL and options, especially as far as quarterbacks around the National Football League. So we'll talk to him about that. Also, Kyrie Irving making a declaration today that kind of will shake up things as far as NBA's trade deadline is concerned. As the look, Kyrie Irving, he's polarizing. He's someone who's opinionated. He's someone who's been in the news. Unfortunately for him, not because of basketball, but because of other things that he said or done. But uh, when it comes to him as a talent on the court, there's no question. He's one of the best point guards in the NBA. And there's probably going to be some teams that, despite the fact that he does have those issues, and even issues when it comes to being as far as in the locker room, he is a guy that's going to be sought after and probably will have uh, options when it comes to uh, being no longer a Brooklyn net. But uh, it something that was you know supposed to be so positive and su- such a uh, an opportunity that is Kyrie and Kevin Durant and company playing in Brooklyn just really hasn't shaken out that way for the fan base there and for the folks there in New York as far as the Nets are concerned no championships and yet uh, it seems like everything's kind of falling apart over there so we'll t- probably hit Tim up with that. You've got UNLV taking on Fresno State tonight down at the Thompson Mac for a Friday night tilt tip off around eight o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Uh, UNLV looks to continue their winning streak. They've got two in a row after uh, beating UNR and then going on the road and beating Colorado State. And they'll take on Fresno State, a team that they lost to in embarrassing fashion up there in Fresno just a matter of about a week and a half ago. So it looks like uh, a revenge game for UNLV, and they'll try to uh, right the ship on that situation. But as we always do, we uh, like to dive into some uh, stories of the day, 
right? And some of the current events and topics going on. And no, what better way to start than in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And it's going to be a lot of fun, folks. And I don't know if I necessarily mean fun by a good, in a good way <laughs> when it comes to Washington, D.C. and our United States Congress over the next couple of years until 2024. It's already started out since Speaker Kevin McCarthy was voted the Speaker of the House. And we are now in a reality that is the Republicans are in the majority or, uh, excuse me, have control of the House of Representatives. And there's already been fireworks. There's already been stuff that's happened that's been kind of wacky and kind of crazy and and kind of disheartening and concerning for a lot of us. And it kind of started again yesterday when we have, now we're going to have basically a lot of select committees, folks, when it comes to a lot of issues and a lot of topics. One of those, of course, is COVID-19. And I went on a solid, you know, hour rant last show back on Wednesday regarding COVID-19 and our handling of it and and the whole approach. And our phone number, once again, is 702-221-7283. We want your thoughts. We want your takes. We want your opinions. It spices up the show without question. Gives me something, someone to, uh, to banter about with when it comes to these issues. But now that uh, Republicans are in charge, obviously, and you've got all these kind of craziness going on, with people like Matt Gates now given more power than they had before, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, people look the whole George Santos thing is just is mesmerizing to me. It just blows my mind because the guy is a complete and utter fraud. The fact that George Santos right now is a sitting member of Congress, just one more indication. As to why I say all the time, and you hear it, you hear it a lot, folks out there, that uh, credibility and the whole adults in the room thing when it comes to American politics has pretty much gone out the door. It's a joke. And I understand that there's probably a lot of you out there that are Republicans and on the right that will hear me say something like that and you'll quickly go to the Chris Wynn, you're just a lefty, you're just a Democrat complaining about Republicans. Is that what this is going to be the next hour is you bitching and moaning about the right? Nah, not really. This is me basically pointing out the reality of the situation. There's a guy that's a congressman right now from Long Island, New York by the name of George Santos or Anthony DeVolder or whatever other name you want to call him, that hoodwinked his constituents in his district that, uh, you know, basically painted a picture of his life that was completely not true. Aspects across the board from details about his family and his parents' passings and his the challenges he faced that didn't happen to his schooling to his work experience, it is, and a word I've used many times, unprecedented, again, 
how this guy even got into office and the amount of lies that he told to get into office. Yet where we stand today, as of right now, when it comes to Kevin McCarthy and powers that be that are Republicans in Washington, D.C., they've all of a sudden become deaf and mute when it comes to George Santos. There's been some Republicans and obviously Democrats in New York that have called for his resignation. But when you talk about the most... You know, the most powerful guy when it comes to Republicans in the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, and George Santos, he still wants to split hairs when it comes to this guy. He still, obviously, is more focused on keeping his vote, keeping that seat Republican, than doing the right thing. And look, I don't care what your political affiliation is. We've seen Democratic congressmen. We've seen Republican congressmen. We've seen independents be forced to resign or step down or retire early, whatever you want to call it, because of their digressions, because of the mistakes they made. Uh, first, first guy that comes to my mind, obviously, is the Democratic congressman from Minnesota. I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. He's, he was a popular comedian. He was on SNL. Either way, he was basically forced to step down because of, you know, those inappropriate pictures that were, that were taken. And it was something that even, look, everybody was on board with. Democrats were on board with it. Republicans, independents, everybody. But this whole George Santos thing is just mesmerizing to me because it's another clear indication that nothing matters anymore in politics. Nothing matters. Credibility doesn't matter. Dignity doesn't matter. It's American politics today. And it's been spearheaded, obviously, by the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. This, th- this whole throw decorum to the wind, this whole there's no respectability anymore, there's no, people don't hold each other in the regard that we used to hold each other in when it comes to politics. I'm talking about politics here. And look, in, in some cases, when you talk about political discourse in America, too, the way people talk to each other, right, when it comes to politics, the way people argue, the way people get fired up, the way people, you know, conduct themselves in public when it comes to politics and all that? Look, you've always been a country that's been not afraid to debate, right, and get into get into uh, verbal tussles when it comes to things like politics. But what's the phrase that we, that's been used a lot as of late? Well, we're, we're never more divided than we've ever been before. There's a lot of truth to that. Because that's the way we are. But getting back to Washington, D.C., just the, I mean, the standards just been lowered to nothing. When you used to talk about politicians, right, and lawmakers, presidents, vice presidents, congressmen, senators, 
there used to be kind of a reverence, right? There used to be a respectability. You, you know, you you address them as senator, or you address them as as Mr. Speaker, you address them as Mr. President, you address them as Mr. Vice President. You address them as sir or ma'am, right? And that's going by the wayside because the, the respect isn't there anymore. And look, in some cases, it's just valid. It's a valid take. Are you, if, if you're the average Joe, the average Jane Nevadan out there, and you're going to see George Santos in a public event or something here in Las Vegas in the next couple of years, if he's still there, if he doesn't resign, or if he isn't uh, under indictment because of some charge that he's facing, which is very a very real thing, could happen. He could end up, you know, for being forced out of the Congress. But if by some miraculous situation, he's still a United States congressman, and he comes to Vegas for an event, are you going to treat that guy with respect? I mean, come on. It is absolutely laughable that the man is in a position of power in Washington, D.C. Laughable. And, look, a lot of you out there that are Republicans will also flip and say, oh, Chris, what about Ilhan Omar? She, she sucks, too. She shouldn't be in the United States Congress, either. Let me tell you something. Ilan Omar was pulled off of committees, or a committee, I should say, Foreign Affairs Committee, in Washington, D.C., because of the views that she holds. Or, or Kevin McCarthy and Republicans' I, uh, views of ideas that she has. She wasn't pulled off because of anything she did. She wasn't pulled off because she was sanctioned. She wasn't pulled off because of she did anything illegal. She wasn't pulled off because of anything like that. She was just pulled off because of, 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 what is perceived her views are regarding Judaism, right? And because, and look, it's a and it's also a reaction to to a comment she made that was unacceptable, by the way, and was pointed out by everybody that it was unacceptable when she brought up basically brought up a a, a trope, a, a Judaism trope, talking about Jewish people and money, and. Oh, and by the way, let me point out the difference of what happened there as opposed to what happens all the time with Republicans when it comes to racist comments that are made or unacceptable comments that are made. Ilan Omar made the comment. I want to say it was like, what, four or five years, three, four years ago, the comment she made regarding that trope. It was wrong. It was, in my opinion, ignorant. And she needed to be called on it. What did she do? She apologized, right? She apologized. It wasn't the end of the world, all right? It wasn't. People are turning into like, oh yeah, she's a, you know, basically turning, t- t- talking about her like she's a terrorist, talking about her like she, oh because because of that because of that comment, oh yeah, she she has no she she's not fit to serve in the United States Congress. Let me tell you something on Omar. She's an accomplished, accomplished woman. She's a refugee. She's a leader in that community in Minnesota. 
She's a college graduate. She's someone who is able to make her way to the United States and make a better life for herself. She is worthy, absolutely, of being in the United States Congress. And it played out how it played out. She wasn't kicked out of Congress because of the comment. It was deemed that it was not that was not a sufficient enough evidence or sufficient enough reasoning to boot her out of Congress. And oh, by the way, she apologized for it. The comment that she made. Now flip it over to you Republicans, right? The same people. And that to this day, by the way, there's a lot of people still bitching and moaning about Ilhan Omar and still have a perception, a viewpoint that she has no business being anywhere near the United States Congress. She shouldn't be, she shouldn't be on, on any committees, on foreign affairs, anything. You same people are the same people that have no problem or set or went deaf and mute when the former president made uh, racial comments or People like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has made numerous upon numerous comments that are that are racially insensitive and are just as bad or worse than what Ilan Omar said. When Lauren Boebert from Colorado made the comments regarding Ilhan Omar herself in the elevator, you people were all deaf and mute and didn't say a thing when when Republicans were were doing essentially exactly the same thing, but actually worse. And you know why it was worse? Because they didn't apologize. They haven't apologized at all for the comments that they made. So, again, Brian brings it up when he hosts the show. I bring it up all the time when I host this show. If you hear other liberal commentators out there or left-wingers or independents like Brian or anybody else talking about these situations, the word comes up every single time, it's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy to the hilt. Republicans and right-wingers, you're all deaf, mute, and idiots when it comes to this issue raising its ugly head. People making racist comments or making insensitive racial comments or alluding to race or alluding to ethnicity or alluding to religion and saying unacceptable things. When Republicans do it, you want to act like you didn't hear it. And it doesn't matter. And they never apologize. The Republicans, the, all the Republicans who have said things that are racially or just unethically insensitive, never, ever, 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 ever apologize. When I'm talking about President Trump, when I'm talking about Boebert, when I'm talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene and others, by the way, Steve King. And look, in fairness, I, Steve King, I guess, was, was, he was stripped of his committees. And then he, I think he just resigned. I don't think he was actually. Uh, not even resigned. I think he just retired. He wasn't, uh, was he, Steve King when he was from Iowa. Again, a guy who made absolutely abhorrent comments, never apologized for them, ever. Never, ever, ever, ever apologized for him. And then now he's gone by the wayside. He's been, he's been out of Congress for two or three years. But the point being is that he, there's another guy that's made comments regarding I mean, the, the whole situation with the former President Trump meeting with with uh, Fuentes down there in Florida, meeting with Kanye. I mean, it's just... It's just the gall of these individuals and of the Republican Party to be all sanctimonious 
and get all up in arms when Ilhan Omar makes one or two comments. Maybe there's two comments she made back a few years ago and act like it's the end-all, be-all. And she's the most horrendous human being and has absolutely, you know, no business. What, how the heck is she even in, in Congress at all? She should be booted out and silenced. And yet Republicans do the exact same thing. And it's hypocrisy, hypocrisy, hypocrisy. And to make it worse, the, every, every single, every single Democrat that's in public office that I know, every single one, whether they've made a mistake about saying something or doing something, they apologize. And they're still held, their feet are still held to the fire. And Republicans do it and don't apologize. And Republicans want to bury their heads in the sand and act like it never happened. So, again, we're back to George Santos. He's in Congress. And as I pointed out at the top of the show, get your popcorn ready, folks, because it's going to be a show here in the you know House of Representatives for the next two years. Because you fundamentally have this going on. You have Democrats. I'm not going to say all Democrats, but most of them at least have some type of policy position, right? When it comes to Washington, D.C., Yes, are there some Democrats out there that want to deal with all the culture issues and want and want that to be the forefront and want to get their, you know, name in the headlines and love cameras? Absolutely there are. There's Democrats too. But if you talk about Republicans, that's their whole that's their whole idea, that's their whole shtick. Is culture wars, owning the libs, Politics of grievance, right? How many times, regardless of what the topic is or what the issue is or what the concern is, have we been saying for the past, I don't know, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, Republicans don't have a plan. All Republicans want to do is complain about what the Democrats are doing or complain about an issue or complain about something that's happening in the country. But they don't actually have a solution or a plan, a detailed plan, that's going to that's gonna rectify the situation or fix the problem. How many times over the past six, seven years have we been talking about something and all Republicans want to do is bitch and moan about what the Democrats are doing, as far as what the Democrats are doing about it. It happens all the time. And it's going to happen again now in the House of Representatives. And it started yesterday. So as you can imagine, now that Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House, it's kind of shifted who's going to be on what committees. Obviously, you know, certain Democrats getting booted off committees. Now, look, a lot of this is standard operating procedure when it comes to a changeover in power in the House of Representatives, right? The House, speak, the House Speaker gets in there, and they want to put their people on the committees they want to put their people on. I get it. That's the way it's operated for years. But what's unique about this is that you've got a coalition. You've got people like I, some of the names I mentioned, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, 
Marjorie Taylor Greene especially, who I'm about to talk about, because she's a firebrand who is in the news, it seems like every other day, sometimes every day, because of comments she makes or stupid things that she does. But now, as I pointed out, because McCarthy's speaker, these people have more power. They're going to be on committees because of the deal that was made. Call it whatever you want to call it, the secret deal that was made during the vote for the House Speaker. There's questions about what exactly is in the deal. Nobody knows. You've got people like Matt Gates going on national television and saying, oh, yeah, there was. But but he the, 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 the copy of the deal was lost or something or it disappeared and... But there's a general consensus as to what exactly is in the deal as far as what Republic, the, the far right of the party was able to get from McCarthy in exchange for their votes. So therefore, you're going to have people like Green and like Boebert and like Gates who weren't on committees before when obviously Nancy Pelosi was a speaker, that are going to be on the forefront now. And it's kind of a reason why I say that we're going to be, you know, we're in for a, in for a show the next couple of years. And it kind of started yesterday. Marjorie Taylor Greene is on an oversight committee. And by the way, this is something that's kind of extraordinary too. She's on an oversight committee dealing with COVID-19, right? And COVID-19 spending and, and, where the money is gone, and basically an examination and a critique of how money was spent with respect to COVID-19 on state levels and on national levels. And so there was a hearing yesterday, she was talking to one of the individuals who is spearheading the funding or is aware of the fund, aware of where exactly allotment of money has gone when it comes to COVID-19 across the country. And so she's in the midst of her questioning, and what does she do? She starts diving into a gotcha question in which she asked the man, how much COVID-19 spending is going towards CRT? And myself and Michelle Mortensen, we talked about this a few days ago when it came to CRT in America and, you know, what exactly the role is for it in our elementary schools or middle schools or high schools, you know, secondary education. And I pointed out correctly that it's not a thing that doesn't necessarily exist on some widespread level being taught in our public schools. It's not. It's just not. It's just not there. It's a made-up thing. So she asked, in, in a form of a gotcha question to this representative, about it, kind of in a vague way, too, of, oh, yeah, how, 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 how much of this has been allotted and been spent on CRT? And the official had no idea what she was talking about, essentially, and looked at her like she was clueless and had no idea what she was talking about. And I'm going to have that response and much more to this because the story is just kind of hilarious. But it also points to the ideas I'm talking about regarding American politics today 
and our reflections and our viewpoints. And again, it's not, it's like we don't have the adults in the room, folks. We just don't. And this is a prime example of it. And on the other side of the break, I'm going to dive more deep into it. It is Pushing Limits coming your way. Live here from Las Vegas and 1400 KSHP. Give us a call on the phone line, 702-221-7283, as we continue to roll on and get you set for your weekend. Find us on the web. Also, streaming live, YouTube, TikTok, and beyond. I'm Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. More PTL Vegas on the way next. for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas's top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. The fastest weekend of the year is headed back to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, March 3rd through 5th for the Pennzoil 400. As NASCAR swings west, this race is right here in our own backyard. High speeds, trading paint, and all-out racing action make it a great choice for exhilarating entertainment. Bowman, the showman, has won at Las Vegas in overtime. Las Vegas Motor Speedway treats locals right. Free parking all the time. What happens in Vegas? The locals attend. The showroom at South Point presents Forever Fab, a tribute to the Beatles. 
Plus, a musical journey through the 60s with 60s Mania. You'll love the music and the memory. February 17th to the 19th. Tickets to the box office, online at southpointcasino.com or charged by phone. 702-797-8055. Forever Fab Plus 60s Mania at the South Point. World famous Randy's Donuts is now in Las Vegas. Look for the giant rooftop donut at Sahara and Rainbow and get ready for a taste sensation like no other. Since 1952, Randy's Donuts is consistently named one of the top donut shops in the country. And there's little wonder why. And oh my God, the variety. Glazed, raised, sprinkled, long johns, cinnamon rolls, crawlers, fritters, bear claws. I'm getting hungry. Randy's Donuts, 2170 South Rainbow at the northeast corner of Sahara and Rainbow. Randy's Donuts, always alive but always worth the wait. Visit randysdonuts.com or just stop by at the northeast corner of Sahara and Rainbow. You've seen Randy's Donuts in the movies. Now taste them for real. One taste and you'll be back again and again. Randy's Donuts, 2170 South Rainbow at the northeast corner of Sahara and Rainbow. It's Friday edition. Pushing the limits, coming away live here from Las Vegas. Another textbook Norman Rockwell day out here in Las Vegas. Beautiful. You can find us here on AM1400 KSHP in Vegas. You can also find us all over the World Wide Web, YouTube, TikTok, and beyond. I'm Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. Brian back on Monday to uh, get things rolling with the show. The phone number is 702-221-7283. We're just talking about Washington, D.C. and what is going to be the House of Representatives for the next couple of years. And it's going to be wackiness, folks, I'm telling you. And it's already been on display with respect to some Republicans already, some of the comments that they made. I'll get into a couple others later, but I was focusing on Marjorie Taylor Greene and her questioning yesterday of Gene Didardo, he's an official, regarding COVID-19 spending and the viewpoints of Representative Greene and a question that she asked, excuse me, regarding COVID-19 spending and CRT. And then she went into a soliloquy about what CR, her, her definition, I'm using air quotes right now, regarding critical race theory, which her definition was completely ridiculous. But she tried to pull a gotcha question on Didardo, and he had no idea what she was talking about, and asked a question about how much was actually going. He had no idea because it's not something that, again, is a thing. And then she goes into this diatribe about how claiming that one elementary school got $5 billion for teaching critical race theory. One school. Now, look, obviously she misspoke because what she was referring to in the $5.1 billion was the allotment that the schools, I believe, in the state of Illinois had gotten for education or for schools and uh, connected with the curriculum, whatever. But it was $5.1 billion that the state of Illinois had gotten. I don't know if you saw it on some Fox News clip or some OAN or Newsmax clip or whatever it is that she watches, when right-wing news, now, whatever she watches as far as where she gets her information. But she, fi- she must have saw that and just conflated it with her ideas in her idiot head. 
and then it it uh, <laughs> exposed itself in a way in which she said in front of cameras in a committee meeting in the question, oh no, $5.1 billion went to one school to teach CRT. It's something we need to look into. And she's been mocked endlessly since she made those comments, made those comments, mocked beyond belief all across the Internet. And as you can imagine, a lot of the outlets that I pay attention to when it comes to us liberals and lefties, she's just getting lambasted. Now, look, I think it's disingenuous for all of us to look. She obviously misspoke. The United States government is not going to send five point one billion dollars to one elementary school. Or one school anywhere. That's not what happened. That's not anything that's anywhere anywhere realistic at all. But even the premise of her of her questions were false and lies, not true, made up. But it's an indication of what I've been talking about. Republicans just want to be grievances. They just want to file grievances. They just want to be defiant. They just want to, yes, the term we've used a lot, own the libs. That's their mindset. Lauren Boebert, just a matter of a couple days ago, was talking about guns because she loves her guns in Colorado. Talking about the agency, the alcohol, tobacco, and fire, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Saying it should be disbanded. Saying there's no need for it. Making jokes about how, yeah, in Colorado, that's a great weekend. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. That's a that's like a that's like a good weekend in Colorado. Yeah, kind of funny. <laughs> and then she alluded to that she thinks we need more guns in America. We need more weapons out there. Folks, the United States already has. 120 guns for every 100 residents. Which is more, way more than any other country in the world. I think the second, the second most is in Yemen, which is essentially a war-torn country right now, going through a civil, a civil war. Again, Republicans and their culture wars. That's what, we're, that's what we're dealing with when you're dealing with someone that has an R next to their name right now in Washington, D.C. It's about what you're doing as a Democrat. I have a problem with it. All you Dems and lefties need to be owned. It's exactly the same way when it comes to the former President of the United States who now is running for President again. And I, I know I hit on this before a few days back, but why is he running already? <clears throat> it's it's early February. Nobody else on any either side of the aisle has even started to even declare that they're running for president. I mean, obviously we all do our speculation, whether it's in the media or just in the every in everyday life when you're talking politics with your buddies out there. We speculate who's going to be the candidates and who's going to be running in 2024. It is a couple years away. So it's not like it's a million miles, but still, no, nobody else, <clears throat> excuse me, nobody 
is is out there holding campaign events. Nobody's out there in front of a podium or microphone saying, I'm running for president. Let's hop on board. No one's doing that. Except for Donald Trump. Donald Trump had campaign events last weekend. He was in New Hampshire, and then he was in South Carolina. By the way, in South Carolina with Lindsey Graham by his side in the state house, in front of him, maybe a handful of people in the state house. That's what the former president has been reduced to. He's reduced to being hanging out in front of a, you know, a handful of people holding his quote unquote rallies or whatever it is you want to call them. And it's not like Donald Trump is out there espousing policy and talking about what he wants to do for the country from a policy standpoint. It's not like he's out there giving us concrete ideas of how the country needs to move forward. What is Donald Trump doing? He's out there complaining. He's out there hashing his views on the 2020 election, how he got screwed. He's out there talking about Joe Biden, the current president. Again, Define press or, you know, uh, just ignoring precedence when it comes to the respect for the person who's in the job, who has the job that you once had. I mean, you can't even make this stuff up, dude. I mean, how many presidents are out there just ripping to shreds the guy who took over on, on basically a weekly basis? Donald Trump's doing that. He takes every opportunity he can to to blast Joe Biden. And he's holding events now, and he's acting like it's March of 2024 when it comes to him running for president already. It's February 3rd, 2023. The election's not for another year plus. I pointed out on Tuesday, I believe. The election cycle has not even started yet. We are a long way from the election cycle starting. I'm a Democrat. We don't even know who the main names are going to be when it comes to running for president in 2024. Yeah, I think Joe Biden maybe now at this point is going to be one of the candidates, but there's going to be others. There's going to be Gavin Newsom's and maybe Shapiro and and some other names out there as far as Democrats that are going to run. But there's certainly nobody out there amping up for rallies and getting people juiced up and out there in front of a podium spouting off lie after lie after lie. And having their followers and supporters eating it up. Donald Trump's doing that. And he's, again, people in Washington, D.C. are still supporting him. Lindsey Graham was at the event. Lindsey Graham is a sitting senator. You got the person I've been talking about for the last 25 minutes, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Huge supporter of, of the former president. And so, again, it's it's just going to be such a you-know-what show when it comes to 
Republican politics here in the in the near future and in the present because of the House of Representatives and all the just absurdity that is going to take place. It's up in the air. What's going to happen with George Santos? I got to believe, given the number of situations that he faces, especially from a legal jeopardy standpoint, there's a real possibility he's not going to be in the House of Representatives very much longer. He's going to be forced to resign, or he's going to be you know, he's going to be out and out booted because of some of the legal things that he has to deal with. And it's it's not going to be pretty, folks. It's not going to be pretty if you're a reasonable, logical American out there that wants to see the wheels in motion when it comes to the U.S. government. Work for the American people. If you want to see that, you want to see cooperation, you want to see some type of of, uh, bipartisanship, and you want some things to happen in D.C. that are beneficial for Americans... It's tough to say that that's going to be coming out of the House of Representatives. We shall see. 702-221-7283 is the phone number. Just kind of waxing poetic here a little bit on all things Washington, D.C. and the House of Representatives. Mike joins us now on the phone lines. Mike, we appreciate the phone call. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Talk to me. What's going on? Well, I just I just want to know at this point in Mr. Biden's presidency, if you looked at all of his accomplishments, what he's managed to achieve, and you stack that up next to your uh, your buddy Donald Trump, yeah, who, who would say has been more accomplished and, and gotten more done for the American people? Oh, it's not even a, it's not even a question. It's not even a, I mean, it's not, it's not even a question. No, I'm going to tell you right now. It's Joe Biden and it's, it's, it's five, it's by far old Joe Biden, old Joey by far. If you want to talk about what's, what's been either beneficial or who's been able to, and look, your question is kind of a loaded question because you're kind of asking who's been the better president, right? And you're right. Like in my mind, who's been the better president? Who is? Well, well, I'd. Say, I'd say, yeah, it is a bit of a loaded question because you're answering me like you're loaded. Just give me this. Let's <laughs> check the boxes. What has he done? Tell me what his major accomplish, accomplishments have been um, that give you the, the 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 sense that he's been so much better than Donald Trump. And I'm not talking okay, about well, their personalities. I'm not talking about any of that stuff, right? Donald Trump has done some despicable things, and 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 I'm not saying that I'm, I'm leaning more towards one over the other. I just want to have your take on it. Tell me what... Okay, well, well I, uh, you, you, as you can expect, I am a Democrat, okay? I am on the left, so I'm going to be biased, but I'm also going to point out some things, okay? Now, you're asking me right off the top of my head, why, why do I think that? Well, I think that because Joe Biden, with respect to how we've been able to come out of the pandemic, right, and how he, he's been able to handle that situation, and... There's been that that is something that I would absolutely check up as an as a quote unquote. You're asking me about accomplishments, right? What has he accomplished? As if it's as if it's some direct uh, competition, like it's a sporting event between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. 
I don't necessarily think that it, when you're when you're talking about these presidencies and the transition from the Trump administration to the Biden administration, it's some you know zero sum thing where you got to oh Joe Biden has done this this and this and that what that means he's a greater president than Donald Trump. That's not how I view it. I view each president how they have to deal with the situation that is put in front of them as the president of the United States. And also I take into I take into consideration what the re, what's what's the real power that the president has, right? What can they do as president of the United States? What do they represent? All right? So it's a much more nuanced question than the question you're asking. Because look, I get the impression Mike that you're probably a Trump supporter and so you probably think, "Oh, Chris, you're just you're just bitching and moaning about Trump." And, and you're a lefty, so you, 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 you know, you're, you just want, you're going to take Biden's side no matter what. And there is some truth to that because yes, I'm on the left. I'm not sitting here like Brian Shapiro, the regular host of the show and saying that I'm, you know, that I'm an independent, but I tend to lean to the left or that I don't, you know, or that I'm independent like Brian Shapiro. I am a left winger. I'm a Democrat and Joe Biden. So if you, if you're again, so I'm not in a long winded way, I'm going to answer your question with respect to Joe Biden. I think that he's been able he's been able to do what he can do as far as the economy is concerned coming out of covid-19. I think he's extended the what what they've been able to what the, the country's been able to do with respect to vaccine development and coming out of the pandemic the best that we can. Right. And I think he's approached that admirably. I think he's been solid when it comes to that. So those are check marks. You want to put up check marks. Those are things that I would say, yes, that I think Biden has done well. Right. So, uh, OK, so 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 let me just say one thing. The fact that you struggled. I'm not struggling. No, I was I was clarifying. No, I wasn't things. struggling at all. I'm not struggling at all. I, I made the, so the overall. What is the. I can't I, look. It, look, it's a, it's a uniter, look, Mike. It's a radio tell show. Me what the Mike, great Mike, has accomplished in Congress and in the Senate and working. Accom- in a the president. What do you mean? What are, what are you talking about? Like you, you don't. So you're, what? Legi- what do you mean? What does the president do? He fights for his agenda. His le- tries to push legislation through the House and the Senate. Absolutely. And tries to put. Tell me what. Yeah, he tries to. You, you, the, the word you just used was try. Right. I just told you uh, the ma- the major thing to me the major major thing to me is so is coming so out of the pan- is is bringing the try. bringing the country no I it's like you didn't even hear what I said coming out of the pandemic right the president had to deal with it, it didn't matter if it was Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whoever the president was you're going to have to deal with coming out of the pandemic right that I would I would I would say it's safe to say uh, Mike that the most important thing. That the president who got elected on twenty in twenty in, in, in November of twenty twenty, what was the biggest what was the biggest thing they would have to deal with coming out of twenty coming out of November twenty twenty? What do you think it was, Mike? What was the biggest thing they had to deal with? The economy. Above it, it was co- okay. So COVID okay, so the economy is part of the, it, but but COVID again, was on the downturn. Uh-huh, 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 okay, so again, you're again you're just wrong. The no, biggest no, thing was so not the, the economy is part of it. Overrun and had no beds. How many people were on what? ventilators? How many people were dying at that point when Joe took office? 
your buddy Joe. It was down. It was it was, it was down definitely. Thank you. But but well, you, but so that doesn't mean that that no. But the, the country is still. You're, but you're acting like you didn't, you didn't live here when that happened. The country was still in a very precarious position, Mike. The country was still in a spot where it needed to recover. And who was going to have to make that? Who was going to have to spearhead, for lack of a better word? That recovery, it was going to be the president of the United States or it's going to be the Biden administration as a whole, right? The president, again, I get back to this thing about how much power the president has. A lot of you people, and I guess I'm talking about you, Mike, right now, because it seems like, again, you're absolutely, I don't know why you're, so you're, so let, so let, let's be, was, let's put our cards, that, Mike, that, we're hey, in Vegas, listen, let's put our cards on the table. Listen, you're, I'm going to tell you something. You need okay. to choose your words more wisely because you people, you're saying that. I'm saying you people, man. I'm talking about you. I'm very, talking about you because you're, what, you're racially charged. No, I'm talking about you. I'm saying you people. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking, talking about, about you. The, a blind you're, guy on the phone and you're saying you people. Yeah, I'm That's saying you people because you're, charged. you're a Republican. I'm not talking about race. I'm, I'm bringing up race. It has nothing to do with race. I'm talking about you people. I'm talking about you people, meaning... And look, I'm, I, I, I general, I don't, I don't know what your background is, but I, I would expect, Mike, you're probably a Republican, right? You're probably a Trump supporter. I'm I, an independent. Okay, so I'm an independent. But you're an independent. Okay, okay I, so know, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of Joe Biden, though. Okay, that, okay, you're I, not I, a fan I, of Joe I, Biden. Okay, I, so you would be part of the you people I'm talking about. It has nothing to do with race. Okay. So you're, you're putting, I don't know where, where you're creating this in your head. It has nothing okay. to do with race whatsoever. And when I say you okay. people, I'm talking about the people. Like you that ask questions like this, who's the better president, Joe Biden? And then you want, and then, by the way, you know, I, this is a two hour radio show that I do. I can't uh, sit here and I don't have all of the quote unquote accomplishments in front of me regarding Joe Biden. If you, if, you still have an hour and six minutes left. I know. Yeah. I can, I can just use the whole hour and six minutes and, and, uh, and bounce around my phone and bring up specifics as to far as what Joe Biden has done. I, I'm trying to give a kind of a general overview, given I'm on the air here, Mike. On the radio, and yes, I give my takes and I give my opinions, okay. and I'm on the left. So, okay, let's, you ask me the question, narrow, I answer the question. You ask me the question, who do I think is better? Well, Mike, you ask me the question, who I think is better? What's that? Let's narrow the scope of the question. Okay, Just let's let's do that. Specifically, then. what he did that was so great as it relates to COVID. Okay, so why do you keep saying so great? He he dealt with the issue. He, he dealt. The question. I'm quoting you now. It's not even a question. You people don't know what you're talking about. So it's not even a question. Well, no, 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 no. Say you people, right? I just want to reinforce that. You said that, right? You people. Yes, you people. When I say you people, why are you making out to be like it's a racial issue? I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about you people. I'm talking about, look, I'm a Democrat on the left. When I say you people, I'm talking about Trump supporters or Republicans or independents like you, Mike, who don't like Joe Biden. That's what I'm I'm talking about you when in, in the context of this conversation. That we're having right now, the conversation that we're having. Well, you you asked me a gotcha question. I guess you thought it was a gotcha question, and it's kind of no, a simple no, question. Not, it's not a no, gotcha the answer the question the answer to the question is Joe Biden. I think yes is a better person is a better president than Donald Trump. Do I did I say See, he was no? That, and you use by that, the way you use timeout. You use words like is he what what was so great about what Joe Biden did? I never said Joe Biden's been great in anything. Okay, okay? Listen, I never said that. So order. you're. You're just make, you're just, you just had a creating a scenario, bro. You That's all you're doing. You accidentally subconsciously subconsciously said I said you people, person. you you turned out to a racial that's, thing. I'm That's s- what you think. You think Joe Biden's a better person. And you know what? Well, I absolutely no. Hey, hey, Mike, Mike, Mike. You're right. Agree with that, Mike, Mike. You're a hundred percent right. I do think that. Yes. I think okay. I think when you said you people, 
I think that was racist. I think you. Oh, might you can you can think, you can think whatever you want. You're wrong, Mike. You've been wrong before in this conversation. You're wrong again. You can, dude. You being wrong is not is not my fault. It has nothing to do with me. You're just wrong again. I don't I don't know what, I don't no. I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you, Brent, my man. I don't know what to tell you. You're just wrong. Listen, I'm going to let you, I'm going to call back tomorrow, so I'm going to give you 25 hours and three minutes to actually come up with something. You okay, still come up something? Okay, how about this? I said Joe Biden is a better president than, than Donald Trump. I think he is, yes. I think because of how he's handled COVID-19 as a president overall, yes, I think that he handled it uh, better than Donald Trump handled it when he was in office. Yes, I do think that. You want you want some you know me to be on the spot and you want me to say reasons why that's what I think you think he handled COVID better I think he's been able to navigate the economy based on his democratic principles all right and I think he's done I think he's done as as good as he can do with that the guy I think he's old I think Joe Biden is old okay I think he's old and I think he has challenges and I think that there are people in the Biden administration that handle I think he's someone that delegates authority. Okay. Yes, he's the president of the United States, but he doesn't have overall overwhelming power. So those those are a few things that I'm going to opine right here on the radio for you, Mike, and tell you. Okay. You put me on the spot. You said I didn't answer the question. I just answered the question. Yes, I think Joe Biden's a better president than Donald Trump. Okay. And I gave a couple reasons why. I didn't give a million reasons why because I pointed out I don't have the whole show to just dedicate to Mike's question. Yes. And yes. Well, Well, I mean, you can let me go. You want? Yeah, that's fine. Hey, Mike, we appreciate I, I the phone call. You, I, want to, I want to let you know that it was a great pleasure to speak to a racist today. It, it, it was a <laughs> that's of the funny. last 13 minutes of my life. Yeah, Thank that's you. great. That's great. I, right, it's, bye. Yeah, you get a, a solid phone call. Great. Am I racist, Mark? Was, was, was anything I say was anything I say was racist at all? I'm just curious. I don't know. I mean, Would be construed as racist? He got you riled up. <laughs> he did get me riled up, though. That's what he wanted to do. Racist? Yeah. Because I said you people, that makes me racist. I've said you people a lot, folks, in a lot of different contexts and a lot of different situations. And again, like I don't—I've been called racist a couple times in my life. Both times have been completely preposterous and wrong because it has nothing to do with race. And when I was talking to Mike, Mike. I was disagreeing with you because you asked a question. And at the base of it, it's a basic question. Who, is, who do you think is a better president? I'm a Democrat. So, I, yes, I, at least I admit I'm a little bit biased. But I also do believe in my heart of hearts that Joe Biden's a better president than Donald Trump overall. If you look at the scope of everything, yes, I think Joe Biden is a – yes, and, you, and, you, and he said it himself. He said, you think Joe Biden's a better person than Donald Trump, too. Yes, I do. Breaking news there, big guy. Breaking news, Mike, I do. Yes. And then he gets in condescending. Yeah, I'll give you 25 hours. And then, uh, hey, Mike, uh, newsflash, there's no show tomorrow. Brian's back on Monday. But I might be back on Monday. We'll see. I, I, I come in once a week. So, Mike, how, how about this? You can call back the next time I'm on the show, which is going to be soon. And then we can go we can go at it again. And you can tell me how much more Donald Trump has done as president of the United States than Joe Biden. And you can go point by point, you know, Mr. Smart Guy. You can go A, B, C as far as what's what Donald Trump has been. You independent who doesn't like Joe Biden. I always love that too, Mark. The ind- the independents that don't like Joe Biden. 
Uh, we're sneaking up here on the top of the hour. Uh, we appreciate the phone calls. Uh, do we have time? We can take maybe take a couple of these. Yeah. Mark, is that cool? We got Ray on line too. Ray. I think it's Ray. I don't know. Somebody hung up. Are you there, Ray? On pushing the limits. No, Ray. He bounced out. Ray, are you there? Hello. Yes, Ray, are you there? I'm not Ray. You Lauren? I'm Lauren. Lauren, how you doing? Thanks I'm for good. thanks how for calling you? the show. Yeah. I, I I think my my biggest problem I, I, I do like uh I, I'm a Republican. Yeah. I used to watch uh I, I, I mean I know one time you accused me of watching uh Fox, but uh actually I haven't watched Fox since Hannity and Combs went off. Okay. Uh, the main reason that I used to like watching that is because I, I enjoy getting both sides of a story. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> and I think that, that what's going on now is we're so divided that, uh, I, 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 I am, like I said, I'm a Republican. My wife is an African American Democrat. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. We seem, we seem to get along fine. We seem to, to find common grounds where uh, there's things that we agree on and things we don't agree on, but I'm at least willing to listen to her side of it and vice versa. And I think that that's, unfortunately, I'm really concerned about the country. The direction that we're going, we're so divided that it, uh, it's damaging. It's literally damaging to, to our country. Well, it's and extremely valid. It's extremely valid that you have those concerns. You should have those concerns because, yes, we are. Very divided. And look, your dynamic yeah. is something that's not, you know, extremely unique. Yes, there, I mean, there's other couples out there too that, that are, are on, uh, you would call opposite sides of the aisle, right? You've got Margaret Hoover and right. John Avalon, you know, who are, who is, she's a, she's a staunch, uh, you know, conservative Republican and her husband happens to be a liberal Democrat, right? I mean, there's others, there's yeah. a number of examples like that. Uh, you have the, uh, uh, why, why am I drawing a blank on her name again? Uh, Donald Trump's campaign manager uh and her husband her husband obviously mm-hmm. a high-profile attorney on the left uh well actually isn't on the left he, he was he was a republican now he is uh, apparently uh switched over to uh, being a democrat or whatever but the point being is that well, yeah he's, our, he's lost his way it doesn't really matter <laughs> well yeah but there's but but the point i'm trying to make is there's situations like yours out there and yes what you're saying is true we are absolutely divided in america and there's reason to be concerned but the reason I'm concerned is because there's one party that is rudderless right now, and that's the Republican Party. There's one party that doesn't stand for anything right now. That's the Republican uh, I, Party. I there's one party that. that oh, they, they, you, what, what, what does the Republican Party stand for? When, just overall, well, I, I'm not asking you a gotcha question. What when you think of what re, the Republican Party in 2023 stands for, Lauren? What comes think, to your mind? Okay, okay. I, I, in in my mind. I, I do believe in securing borders. I mean, I like you, I served in the Army. Yes. I lived overseas. And, you know, every every place overseas has secure borders. Yeah, so so you know? so in your what your your statement right there infers that my that Democrats don't want secure borders. When you're saying that no, I, I I wouldn't say no, I'm not saying that. I know my wife wants secured borders. Okay, so and, and but I, I mean she doesn't speak for all Democrats either, but the, the system that's going on now is just to me is is total insanity. You know, I mean, yeah. I've, I've pointed out I I have eight children, you know, yeah, and they've gone through the Clark County school system, mm-hmm. 
And we're number, what, 49 in, in the country? Horrible. It's awful, the education system you know, here in Nevada. And it's, yeah. and, it's, and, and it's not because of any other reason mm. that, that we don't follow any rules in this country. Yeah, I mean, look, you're making it. You're making a general. Whatever feels good, we do. Well, Lauren, you're making a very general statement there when you say that. You say we don't follow any rules here in America. What do you mean by that? When you make a general statement, well, I mean, I I can, I I can, I can speak to the influx of of people that have come across the border. What is it, two point five million this year? You know, we we allow as a country a million people a year to come in. You know that 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 they're. You know that that's that's pretty generous to be in the greatest country in the world, and the way that the the border is right now, I, I don't believe that 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 it is secure. The effect that it not only has on on people in in different different fields, but in the school system itself, ESL is a tremendous thing. That I mean, it, it's costing us literally uh, tens or hundreds of billions of, of dollars. For, for not having a secure border, we have we have millions of Americans on the street. I see people on the street every day, just driving from one side of town to the other. Yeah, for no reason. And we're we're, we're taking care of people that aren't even citizens in this country. I have a problem with that. Even my wife has a problem with that. Yeah, and as that's, you can imagine, Lauren, I'm sure you can imagine that there's a lot of people that have a quote unquote problem with that all right what what mm-hmm. what the issue though is is that how do we deal with it who's i you know and look i'm a consensus kind of guy my friend lauren i i gotta tell you man yeah as 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 an army veteran okay as someone who you know cares about this country and cares about protecting this country and actually serve this country and like like you mm-hmm. did right i yes i do right. care about so it's not necessarily oh i'm not i'm not just gonna sit here and complain about something. I'm gonna. I'm gonna want my lawmakers to look for the best options in which to fix said problem, i.e., immigration, right? I.e., the situation at the border, which is a crisis. Yes, and it's been a crisis for decades. Now, I'm not making excuses. I'm saying I'm stating a fact. It's been a crisis for decades. It didn't just become a. It didn't just become a crisis in 2020 when Joe Biden, you know, 97 I, year old Joe Biden, got elected. It didn't. It, it didn't all of a sudden become some major issue more than it was before. It, it is yes. Is it an issue? Is it a crisis? Absolutely. I'm someone who is practical and wants to a, a, not not look. I'm not an expert on immigration, but I want people that know about it and people. That, that we have at our, you know, at our disposable, at our disposal to, to, to be able to make an effort to have the best way to deal with the situation. It's not necessarily a, uh, a Republican or Democrat thing, really. Yes, Republicans, Democrats have different ways they want to handle it in some ways, but it's not necessarily, it's, it, I, I'm someone who wants to, you know, make the case. I want, I'm someone who wants to fix the problem and there is, Look, there's a there's a problem with the Republican Party in that a lot of your people, and I say your people again, Lauren. Right? <clears throat> I'm not talking about race. Not talking about no, race, I'm not, Mike. I'm not, I'm not talking about race. I'm saying you people, you Republicans. It's all about grievance and complaining about what the Democrats can't do or are doing instead of what it is that you need to. Instead of what it is that you. No, no, Lauren. Let me finish, Lauren. Let me finish, Lauren. Let me finish, Lauren. Let me finish. Instead of 
what you should be doing instead of complaining about Democrats and about re- what Democrats don't do or you think they don't do or that you think they don't care about. How about this? Come up with an idea, ideas and something that can rectify the situation and can solve the problem instead of bitching and moaning about Democrats. We have a system already, system and laws in place that are not enforced. That's what the problem is. Whatever president is in office, if they don't like something, they write an executive order. Right. I am opposed to that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's not their place to make law. That's the legislative's branch. Uh, that's their responsibility. Yeah. And I, I think that, that everybody has gotten out of what their responsibility is. And the American people just keep going along with it. Because they're either on one side or the other. Well, I think and it's we more, ju- well, Lauren, I think it's more complicated than that. All right. We have wheels. We have, yes, we have a government, uh, a way that the government functions. And there's a lot of dysfunctional stuff that goes on when it comes to the government, but we can only work within our parameters, right? You can't just, again, you're making blanket statements like, oh, we, we just don't know what we're doing or we can't do this. We can't do that. Yeah. No, we, have, we, have, we, we, we have a, stru- we have a constitutional we republic. We right? the laws. We do not enforce our laws. We have immigration laws. We don't Absolutely. need to, yeah. to, to revamp. We do not need to revamp the, our, 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 our immigration laws to accommodate people coming into this country. It is a privilege to come into this country. No question about it. And look, uh, and we appreciate the phone call, Lauren. We really do. Thanks for the phone call. You got to jump on to uh, another line. But uh, there's I no understand. question. Look, look, I appreciate the call. Look, I, I, I understand the direction and the sentiment that you're giving, right? It, it just, it just, uh, I mean, look, I'm going to reiterate again. I just think that, look, there's a lot of, when it comes to the Republican Party, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned immigration, right? You talked about the border as far as, as far as what you think Republicans stand for. I mean, do they, I mean, is it really something that, that uh, you're going to chalk up there as, as, uh, as some major thing as far as what the, as far as the Republicans platform? We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, John is online too. John, we appreciate the phone call. How are you? Welcome to Pushing the Limits, my friend. See when my man John, what's going on? Hey, who was that first moron I called? His name was Mark. I, no, Mike. And uh, Mike. He's, he's trying to say I was racist. I, uh, did, did John did did my racism come across at all in that phone call in any in any way, shape, or form whatsoever? Was there not at all, Mike? <laughs> you're a clown. You're you're an idiot. You're a single stranded DNA fool who's drunk <laughs> on hate and Fox News. Look, that phone call with Mike or Mark or whatever that clown idiot moron's name is, it it encapsulates everything that's wrong in America. Because Mike or Mark or let's just call him idiot from now on is going to hang. He's hang. He's going to go tell all his friends. I own Scene Win on the radio today, man. I made him cite chapter and verse, and he wasn't ready to cite chapter and verse to me. I won. I accused him of being a race. I won. I kicked his ass. What a joke. You did nothing, Mark, Mike, idiot, clown, fool, single-stranded moron. You did nothing. Well, here's the deal, too. It started out, look, here's the thing, right? John, the phone call started out cordial, Reese, and, and, he, and he, look, he, he posed me a question. He wasn't really, it didn't seem like he was kind of a gotcha-esque, but it, it, but, but it did have a little bit, you know, a little bit in the back of my head. I was like, oh, okay, where, where's he kind of going with this? And then I started to answer, and then he, he started cutting me off when I was, you know, and look. It's a question that literally you could take an hour to answer, right? As to lay me out. No, he wanted he wanted thing. me to lay out John, he wanted me to lay out detail after detail, like some laundry list of things that Joe Biden has done that has been so Mike, great. And that, you know, as, as far as 
and so much. And by the way, comparing him to Donald Trump as far as their presidencies and anybody that's listened to the show or listens to any commentary back and forth regarding uh, any comparisons between Joe or Donald Trump. It's kind of, you know, it, it can get it can get crazy. Right. Because it's like, come on. You look, know, like, look, Chris, Chris, let me get in here, man. Yeah. What well, Mike moron, idiot, fooled <laughs> clown. What Joe Biden has done is he's restored decency to the office of president of the United States. Exactly. That's huge. Yeah. Yes. Your pride, your, your idol, this fraud who's trying to overthrow the Constitution, tried to steal an election, and I heard it with my own ears. I heard the tape recording of the phone call to the election official. And I heard it with my own ears, Mike, Mark, moron, clown, fool. He's restored <laughs> decency. He's restored truth and fact to the office of presidency of the United States. He's repaired all the relations with our allies, which Trump single-handedly destroyed with his little childlike, narcissistic pathology that consumes his whole being. He, he stopped kissing Kim Jong-un's ass, which is, which is mind-boggling to me. And here's another one. Mike, Mark, moron, full clown, moron, Charles McGonagall. Remember that name, Mike, Mark, moron, full clown, because that's going to be big. He doesn't collude with Putin. He's handled Russia flawlessly. I'm old enough to remember the Cold War, Mike, Mark, moron, clown, fool. And, and what Joe <laughs> Biden has done in Ukraine is flawless. He stymied Putin, and not a single American has died. So you're a fool. You are a shining example how idiots like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert can get elected because they just learn these little techniques on how to put the, the Democrats on the defensive. And that's all you did. You had no solutions. You have none. Your your idol is a pathological narcissist who's going to jail. So, Mark, I have to uh, enlist John as my anger interpreter, uh, interpreter you know, like uh, was the key appeal with, uh, with, with, with President Obama when they had, because you would lay I'm that. So, so John, you laid out a lot of the details perfectly as to, you know, better than I should, I, I should have, uh, it, during that entire phone call, yes, there are absolutely. Chris, you you, here's the deal, John. Here's the deal. Nice There's a lot nice. of things, man, that 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 Joe Biden has done as president that I think absolutely uh, have, have been basically a 360 from the former president Donald Trump. And Joe uh, Biden yeah. is a good man. He's a exactly. good human yeah. being. Donald Trump paid a porn star $130,000 in hush money while his wife was pregnant because he banged a porn star. Yeah. What the F is wrong with you, Mike Moron Clown Fool? What do you tell your kids at night, you idiot? It is, it's, God, uh, I look, hate I mean, these people, man. He, but he did get me fired up. He got me fired up because then he started dropping it. The, but the whole racism thing just came out of nowhere, John. I'm I like, know. what are you I'll talking about? Mike I have nothing. And by the way, he, he was talking like, like, like I was insulting him as a black man, but I don't even think he was black. Like, I don't even know, you know, like he was, exactly. he was, it was weird. Like it was just like a weird kind of exchange in which, you know, uh, it, somehow he tried to turn it into something that it really wasn't, John. And, and, hey, uh, hey, Mike, made it kind of crazy. clown fool idiot. Hey, Chris, this is what I think. This is just my opinion, Mike Moran Clownful. I think you're white trash. I'll bet you lunch at Nobu that you don't have a college degree. I bet you you're dissatisfied in your life and you clung to Trump and you, and you, and you take it out on people of, of, of color to make yourself feel better. That's what I think. That's my opinion. It's just a guess. I never met you. I don't know, but I bet I'm right. You, you could be right, John. No question about it. Hey, John, have a great weekend. We appreciate your phone call and uh, your takes, my friend. Always. All right. Great show. Yeah, have a good one.
That's John. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, he has he John John very opinionated when it comes to uh, our caller Mike on, uh, to start the to start the uh, the phone call segments off. Let's take one more. Did you got Steve over on line three. Steve, are you are you with us? Thanks for joining. Right here. Can you hear me? Yes, Steve, can I can you hear, hear you. What's going on, my so friend? I, t- talking about that last caller, I guess I must be one of those moron clown idiots. Also, I, well, I, I mean, I guess say, well, I, mean, if you... I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know why you said all you people. Okay, so I said you people. When okay, I'm going to say this again for like the third time. When I say you people, I'm not talking about race. I'm not talking about black people. I'm not talking about Hispanics. I'm not talking about white people. I'm talking about Republicans and Trump supporters. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know why this is so confusing or so difficult for people to understand. It's very clear. I'm being very concise. I'm being very direct. All right, Steve. Appreciate the phone call. Look, I mean, it's uh, uh, again, yes. When I say you people, that's what I'm talking about. This isn't. I'm not, I'm not being uh, evasive. I'm not, you know, trying to be puzzling. I'm not trying to confuse you people. That's all I'm saying. Is as I'm talking about Republicans. I'm talking about MAGA, Republicans, Trump supporters. Okay, it's pushing limits coming your way on a Friday. Uh, we blew through the break, so we got to take a quick one here, and then we'll come back with uh, Tim Oglesby from Heatway Sports. Talk some sports, kind of cap off the, the week for everybody here on Pushing the Limits. Find us on YouTube, find us on Twitter, find us on TikTok, and across the social media spectrum, Pushing Limits LV on Twitter. I'm Chris Winnin for Brian Shapiro. Much more on the way next as we continue on your Friday. Buddy, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client, so please give them a call, 702-248-0554. It's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. 
It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. A great time. Your entertainment destination, the South Point, invites you to experience the ultimate great time under one roof. Dancing, a live show, a movie, delicious dining, and one of South Point's 11 restaurants. So much to see, so much to do, you won't know where to start first. This week, make it a South Point week and discover for yourself why the South Point is your entertainment destination for a great time. The fastest weekend of the year is headed back to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, March 3rd through 5th for the Pennzoil 400. As NASCAR swings west, this race is right here in our own backyard. High speeds, trading paint, and all-out racing action make it a great choice for exhilarating entertainment. Bowman, the showman, has won at Las Vegas in overtime. Las Vegas Motor Speedway treats locals right. Free parking all the time. What happens in Vegas, the locals attend. A showroom at South Point presents Forever Fab, a tribute to the Beatles. Plus, a musical journey through the 60s with 60s Mania. You'll love the music and the memory. February 17th to the 19th. Tickets to the box office online at SouthPointCasino.com or charge by phone 702-797-8055. Forever Fab plus 60s Mania at the South Point. demand. The showroom at South Point presents Human Nature. One of the most dynamic vocal groups ever. February 7th to the 9th. Tickets to the box office online at southpointcasino.com or charged by phone 702-797-8055. They're back with an outstanding show. Human Nature at the South Point. Friday edition of Pushing Limits coming away live from Las Vegas and 14 hour KSHP and streaming on your favorite social media as well as internet streaming sites, whether it be TikTok, whether it be uh, YouTube or, of course, Twitter. I'm Chris in for Brian Shapiro here live as we roll into the weekend. A whole heck of a lot of sports action going on as we get set for both the NFL Pro Bowl as well as the NHL All-Star Game, which face-offs tomorrow, which faces off this weekend as we got the festivities going on down in Sunrise, Florida with the NHL and uh, here in Vegas when it comes to the NFL and all the Pro Bowl festivities as they transpire and end with a flag football game at Allegiant Stadium. But join us here to talk all things sports. Uh, one of our favorites, he's the uh, host of uh, Heatwave Sports over on Fox Sports Radio, weekend nights 10 to 12, midnight on the weekends. I get a chance to join that show a lot with those guys and uh, and co-host of them. It's a lot of fun. Tim Ugglesby joining us here out here on Pushing Limits. Tim, we really appreciate the time. How are you, my friend? Doing good, Chris. As you said, huge weekend here, uh, not only on sports landscape across the country, but here in Vegas specifically. And I'm glad to finally come back on Pushing the Limits and be here with you, Chris. And I promise... I will not put words in your mouth like some of your previous callers. Oh my gosh, it was getting crazy, man! It was it was ra- race to see win was was trending kind of on our streamyard feed, my friend. I'm like, like, what? Where are you? You just people just making stuff up out of nowhere, like it's crazy. 
But uh, good radio. yeah, it is good radio. But you talked you talked about it. A lot of activity, obviously, here in Vegas when it comes to the NFL. But Tim, uh, as you can imagine, of uh, you know, a lot of big news that's happened just in the last couple of days with respect to the NFL. And I got to get your take on some of it. Obviously, Tom Brady, right, greatest quarterback of all time, pretty much a consensus, decides to hang it up this time, this for a second time, as uh, basically a year ago he uh, he did the exact same thing and then uh, changed his mind. 40 days later, you know, Tom Brady, uh, a couple of solid seasons there in Tampa Bay, obviously an incredible run with the New England Patriots with multiple Super Bowl rings. But uh, I had to get your reaction on Tom Brady calling it quits as far as the NFL is concerned. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's probably a year too late. Yeah. I think he probably it should have last year should have been the year and he should have just stayed retired and Look, I'm not even trying to draw into all the personal stuff that happened throughout the season for him, but in the NFL, as you know, it, it literally can change overnight. A team that you think is loaded, even though Tampa was missing Gronk and missing some, some defensive pieces and missing a head coach, you still had those tools around, offensively around uh, Brady that you figured, look, they get in the playoffs, anything can happen, and maybe they sneak a game here in the first round, and momentum builds, and he could get back to that that championship level game, which we'll see in two weeks. But they snuck into the playoffs, Chris. They were they were didn't have a good season. We know that. Yeah. They snuck in, and then they were embarrassed in the first round. And I think maybe I'm not saying I, I'm not blaming it on Tom Brady. He didn't have a wonderful season. He, you know, statistically, it wasn't bad. It wasn't Brady esque. And I think maybe it was a year too much for Tom. And I'm, I'm you know I hope he sticks to it and he retires for good and he enjoys the rest of his post NFL career or life without having to worry about football anymore because whatever happens through the rest of our lifetimes, Chris, and probably past that, our kids, he's gonna be the greatest of ever, of all time. It's it's just too tough to beat that. Seven's gonna be too tough. Yeah. And it's look, his retirement kind of opens up things a little bit, right, when it comes to the possibilities of quarterbacks going from different teams and that's one it's one less guy, right, Tim, that's in the not in the mix when it comes to possible landing spots and quarterbacks, you know, new faces in new places. And, of course, that brings us here to Las Vegas with the Raiders, right? And the quarterback situation, uh, Derek Carr is gone. He's going to end up uh, either with another team uh, in, in the NFL or or beyond. Uh, your thoughts as far as the Raiders? What does this mean for the Raiders? Now, look, I have contended for the last week plus, and uh, especially since the retirement of Tom Brady, that looks really. It looks a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo is is uh, you know smack dab uh, headed to towards Las Vegas. What do you think about the prospects of who could play, who could be the signal caller here in Vegas for the Las Vegas Raiders in 2023? It's a great talking point. Yeah. It really is. And I, you know, if we if we rewind and go back to when McDaniel was named the head coach, I think we all, at least all of us in our circle, knew that. Car, he, he would have had to go to the Super Bowl or at least the AFC Championship game to move on past that because we're talking about a huge contract. It's uh, we're talking about a huge number coming up, and I and everybody knows that you generally want your own guy in there. And, and I don't truly believe that McDaniel's thought Car was the guy. I didn't think Car was the guy. I like yeah. Derek Carr, great guy. Yeah, but to fit for football purposes, it wasn't going to work here. So moving forward, I kind of eyeballed Garoppolo as well, Chris. When you look at who's available, who's going to be there. And I'm like, you know, if you go a Garoppolo route, which is fine if he's healthy, 
he's good enough to, to get him through the season and maybe mentor somebody. I think that's the route they need to go is find a young quarterback and build off that. Unless, Chris, unless you pull off a superstar deal and you bring in a Lamar Jackson or somebody like that. But, you know, that's not going to be cheap. And then I've also heard the, well, maybe Aaron Rodgers is the guy. I don't know about that either because I think what's left in Aaron Rodgers' tank isn't going to be good enough to get him to a Super Bowl either. So really, what do you do besides spin your wheels at this point? And I think maybe they should seriously consider just uh, bringing in a younger quarterback, drafting a younger quarterback, and then hopefully that works out for him. Yeah, because there has been talk about you know the bridge quarterback thing, right, with the Raiders, and then just kind of drafting a young quarterback or finding a way to kind of maneuver in the draft to get a better quarterback prospect, and then just kind of you know ride it out with that individual, obviously. But uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo makes a ton of sense, though, Tim. You're talking about a guy, obviously, the familiarity with Josh McDaniels, his time in New England. You, you, you know, Jimmy G's a guy who likes to spend time in Vegas. He seems like uh, you know from a from a personality standpoint, right, and from a Vegas standpoint, that would be a good fit. And it's and look, he's a guy, you know, if he can stay on the field and not get be injured, I think they uh, you know, you you have a lot of uh, possibilities is the word I'll use for the Raiders as far as, you know, what they could possibly do uh with Jimmy G at the helm. So I think that would make a ton of sense if they did go that direction. Chris, let me jump in though and yeah. ask you this real quick. Okay, so they get Garoppolo, which I think I agree. I think that's that's a solid. If you go that route, I yeah. think it's it's. I'm fine with that. But playing in that AFC, let alone that, just that division, yeah. does it make them any better than they were this year? And I don't think the answer is yes. I think it's no. That's a fair fair assessment to make, right there. No question about it. You talked about superstars, right, and big time quarterbacks. You brought up Aaron Rodgers. This is an intriguing situation because we understand that, like, this isn't any situation where Aaron Rodgers is just a free agent and just can go his merry way wherever he wants to go. It's, it's the Packers obviously are involved in this situation. They can trade him and, and they can actually get, you know, get some value. So that kind of changes things right from the dynamic of what team you could actually end up on or what situation you could end up being in. Uh, obviously the discussion about the NFC, AFC, you know, type of dynamic, whether or not the, the, the Green Bay Packers would be, on board with, you know, even making a trade with the San Francisco 49ers, right? Or some team in the NFC that they would, you know, quote unquote, be competing with when it comes to the conference and comes to the playoffs. But, uh, what do you think it ends up being the, the, uh, the end game when, it, when it's, when we're talking all things Aaron Rodgers with respect to, uh, where he's playing quarterback next season? I could only really think of three spots. One would be to stay another year, which I don't think that's best for business for Green Bay. Yeah. But if you're not sold on Jordan Love and, and you have to maintain and think that, you know, you can stay in the playoff chase, you have to do that, stay with what you have. But the other two are, you just said it, it's, it's either home, which is Frisco area or right here in Vegas where he has that uh, previous attachment with Devontae Adams. He has other weapons like oh, Waller if he's healthy. Jacobs obviously is going to have to be – they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with him in the offseason, uh, franchise him or let him go. That's the – you know, they did that to themselves when they didn't extend his rookie contract. So now they either got to pay the guy or they got to let him go. So there's a lot of questions in Vegas as well. But 
it's one of those three stops for me, you know, calling me stupid if, if he goes somewhere else. But I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a businessman, right? Because he's going to yeah. go what's, where's best for him. So. Tim Ugglesby joining us live. He's the host of Heatwave Sports over on Fox Sports Radio here in Las Vegas. Catch them 10 to midnight uh, on Saturday and Sundays here in the Valley. Talk all things sports. He and Tom Barton do a tremendous job. And uh, I get a chance to chime in there every once in a while over on the show. A lot of fun, too. We're talking NFL. We're talking about movement. And, Tim, it's not just about the player movement, right? There's obviously coaches that have been on the move as well, too. You talked about the impact as far as the Raiders are concerned in the AFC West. How about uh, Sean Payton taking that job in Denver with the Broncos? Now, look, Tim, he had a lot of options. There's a lot of places that Sean Payton could have ended up. I I thought the best-case scenario for him would have been in Los Angeles with the Chargers or even, obviously, with the Rams if... if, if if he if, if Sean had decided to leave, there was also you know I, there was also speculation it could have been headed to Dallas with the, with the Cowboys. Instead, he settles on and I use that word uh, specifically settles on the job up in Denver. What are your thoughts regarding uh, Sean Payton and uh, that ultimate decision to go with the Denver Broncos as his next head coaching position? Honestly, I feel like he just, and you said settled. I think that's a wonderful word to describe the process. I think he got jumpy that these jobs were closing and he he has that itch. You could tell when he's up uh, on the, in the commentator's booth, he still has that itch to be that guy down there making the decision. So when, when the Chargers and the Cowboys ownership, Spanos and Jones decided they were going to retain their coaches, he was kind of left with a little pool of teams that maybe I don't think he necessarily wanted that. And from what I hear was that the Houston offer was more attractive to Sean Payton, but they went with D'Amico Ryan, the DC from the 49ers. And I thought that was a good choice as well for Houston. But um, it's almost like he just, like you said, settled for Denver. And I don't know if that's the best, that was the best choice for him. Maybe he could have sat out another year and see what happens next season. But it's obvious he wants to be back on the sidelines and, you know what? I don't think Russell Wilson will be as bad as he was last year, yeah. but I don't think Russell Wilson will be as good as he ever was again. So it's it's going to be interesting. He He's walking into a great defense, though. Let's put it that way. He's going to walk into a wonderful opportunity defensively to keep his team in games. And if he can craft his magic with the offense, look, again, they're going to be dangerous, but are and are, you know what? I think they'll be better than they were this year, but are they better than uh, L.A. and they better than K.C.? And the answer is no. And speaking of L.A., the Chargers, look, it was it was not a head coach, but it still, I th- to me, was an intriguing situation as, of course, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, obviously a disappointing loss in the NFC playoffs, and there's a lot of speculation as to Mike McCarthy, whether or not he would still be there in Dallas. But Kellen Moore, right, is offensive coordinator, uh, a guy who's been up and has been someone who's been a candidate as a head coach in the league, decides uh, it doesn't decide. He's actually, uh, you know, ends up being kind of like the, the, the quote unquote scapegoat in Dallas. But like mm-hmm. five, what's hilarious, right, Tim? Five seconds later, the guy's got a job in Los Angeles for the Chargers. What do you think about that fit with obviously <laughs> Kellen Moore, a guy who's going to be, look, I think it's safe to say the guy's probably going to be a head coach pretty soon in the NFL, but he ends up making the move from uh, offensive coordinator in Dallas to Los Angeles with the Chargers, where now he's got Justin Herbert. He's got you know a lot of uh, quality pieces around him, and it should be uh, pretty intriguing, to say the least, to see Kellen Moore there in L.A. So for me, unless there was some type of a, maybe a back agreement that – it's one of two things. Either there's a back agreement that if Staley is let go at some point, that Moore would be seriously considered for the job in, mm-hmm. in L.A., or the tension and the environment was so bad in Dallas that he just had – you know. 
it was the, the right move that they, like you said, they made him a scapegoat because right. for me, it's, a, it's, um, I agree. He's going to be a coach, whether it's collegiately or pro. And I would have a bad taste in my mouth, Chris. Like that offense was wonderful. So yeah. they had a bad playoff game and he's gone. I don't agree with it, but look, Jerry's world is Jerry's world. And, and that's the way we have to live in it. So for more, I think it's, it's a great deal. Like, I don't know if he would have ever escalated himself in Dallas to that position. So for me, people say it was a lateral move, but he didn't really have a choice. You know, it's, it's, he's lucky to have a job. Let's put it that way. I want to switch gears with you a little bit here uh, for the few more minutes we have you here. Uh, Tim Muggles will be joining us from Heatwave Sports here at Fox Sports Radio here in Las Vegas, 10 to midnight on the weekends. Obviously, UNLV basketball, right? This is a team that was uh, struggling once they got into conference play, Tim, and uh, have kind of righted the ship a little bit here as of late with uh, – a couple of a couple straight wins, including uh, wins over their arch rival, obviously UNR on Saturday, and then, of course the win over Colorado State on the road tonight. They're at home taking on a Fresno T team that they got beat by embarrassingly up there in Fresno just a matter of about a week and a half ago. But uh, from a standpoint of offense, this team's been able to find a way to score. Tim, right? Five guys in double figures in that game up in Colorado. On Tuesday, so not only is this a team that defensively can uh, has been able to flex their muscles a little bit, but they're actually finding some uh, some offense out there for Kevin Kruger and his squad and the UNLV Run Rebels. Ebbs and flows of the Rebel season, right? Just a wonderful yes. start, yeah, and then just just a, a complete. Uh, we were literally in private groups laughing about how bad that start of the Mountain West Conference season one in six. You said it. They've righted the ship. They're, they've won three in a row in conference. They have four and six. There's ten games left in the in the conference season. And, and tonight, I think this is another another win for them. I think they get that win back against Fresno. They're obviously the better team. They shouldn't have been. They shouldn't have lost to begin with the first time. But yeah, embarrassed is a correct word. And you know, it's going to come down to Chris the big games. Can they catch the teams in, ahead of them? They're four back of, of the lead. Can they catch the the San Diego States, the Boise's, the Reno's? Can they do it? Probably. I think it's possible. It's, you know, it's going to be tough. They have to win the games that they're supposed to win, though. The Wyoming's, the Air Force, they have to win those, Chris. And I think that's where they kind of struggled was wishy-washy at the beginning of that seven-game stretch. And they put them in a hole. It's, it's, a, it's a deep one to get out of, but it's all about seeding, right, Chris? Because yeah. when the conference time comes, it's, they have that quote-unquote home court advantage. And we'll see where they land at that point. But it's tough to gauge them. But I think they, I think they get back on the, the winning part. I think they stay on the winning track tonight. And to that point that you made, as we roll into March, right, and you start to get towards the conference tournament, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? This is where you can bottom line it, right? And we talk about this with with the Vegas Golden Knights, too, right? All the success during the regular season, and then in the playoffs, they just don't do anything, right? Well, you can say the same thing about UNLV running Rebel Basketball, right, Mr. Oglesby? You can say, hey... It's all fun and games, and you know we can go back and forth. As you talked about the ebbs and flows, right? Going back and forth with this UNLV team during the regular season. But to me, all that matters at this point. I don't care if it's Kevin Kruger and what in his second year, whatever. It, it all all that matters is that they're not a team that's playing on Wednesday afternoon in the Mountain West tournament, and then you get you know what I mean, and get bounced, or you you, know, you have some kind of early exit in the Mountain West Tournament, and that you don't have options when it comes to postseason play as far as tournaments are concerned. Look, I'm not saying, you know, I understand a program at the level of UNLV is not going to go to the CGI tournament and all that, but there's no question, right, Tim, that it's about success in the postseason, it's about positioning themselves, and you got to be a team that's in discussion when it comes to the NIT or, you know, of course, the NCAA Tournament. 
hundred percent. And, and you and I, could, we could do a three-hour show on, on the fall of UNLV basketball and still not have enough time because from what you and I witnessed uh, well into, what, 30 years ago, yes. uh, it's, it's never going to be that way. And, and you're right, for, for a program to be uh, in today's day and age even looked at as more, more than mid-card filler, I guess you could put, the Rebels have a long way to go. And I'm, I'm hoping Kruger can be that guy to turn it around and, and, you know, he's doing, I think he's doing the correct things in it, but fans just have to be patient. And, and you know, it's, we're, we're into this part where now it's a mixture of fans from old school to new school and the new school just, you know, I, I love the, the excitement because they don't know what it was like. They just hear what it was like, but the old school is like, it'll never be that way. And, and I don't think it'll ever get that way again, but yes. Can they get back into postseason contention? I think so with Kevin there. And it is important. You really do want to see that for a program because other than that, they're just an afterthought anymore. And a cool thing locally, too, we need to point out that 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 is getting attention and should get attention is the women's game, right? Over there at UNLV. And obviously, you know, uh, the UNLV Lady Rebels sitting at 20-2, and two, just killing it right now. And, uh, you know, atop of the Mountain West Conference. And uh, that's big time, right, for, for the UNLV athletic program to have the women kind of leading the way and uh, being kind of beacon, a beacon of hope, should we say, when it comes to that program over there and uh, and and showing some signs of success, Tim. It's a wonderful story. Lindy the Rock's done a, a, just a tremendous job. You know, obviously from here, went to school here, and um, to watch that over the last few years just kind of build up. It's, it's been great, and I think they're still undervalued. I mean, they were undefeated, Chris, not even in the top twenty-five at one point. So. Keep an eye on That's going to be a great story heading into March, for yeah. sure. I get a quick thought from you, too. Obviously, speaking of the women's game here in Las Vegas, we have the WNBA champions. Uh, big signing, right? Candace Parker being brought in. Uh, this is a this is an organization in the Aces. Last year, you bring in Becky Hammond as the head coach. You, you have some nice additions to the squad. They end up winning a championship. And now you add one of the marquee players in the WNBA, right, Tim, that uh, is going to be in the mix. Obviously, the loss of Hamby is going to, is going to hurt a little bit, but uh, your thoughts getting a player of the caliber of Candace Parker in the mix here with the Las Vegas Aces. Anytime you can add a Hall of Famer to an already uh, look at the championship team, bottom line, it's going to, you know, you have to think like, wow, what's going to happen here? But for me, what I've seen here in the WNBA this season is you're beginning to see the process of the super team happen, just like we saw in the NBA. Yeah. Vegas is loaded, and now New York is loaded, and it looks like those two are on a collision course to battle it out for the championship this year. And that's something, you know, the WNBA is just, it really is an interesting situation that we always talk about how they don't make any money, right? Right. So how is it bettering the league by having just two super teams and the rest just bird fodder, basically? I mean, that's what it's come down to. So, again, look, Vegas is going to be loaded. How can you argue that bringing in a Candace Parker doesn't help the team. I'm with you, kind of. I think it, it, I think the loss of Hamby is going to be really significant late in the season. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going to start the season with the team anyway uh, due to a pregnancy, yeah. but the energy that you and I have seen Hamby bring to this team over the last few years, I'm wondering how that's going to be late in the season when these teams are battling it out. But look, the, the super team versus super team, that's what it's become. And I don't know if that's best for the league, Chris. He's the host of Heatway Sports. Catch him over on Fox Sports Radio here in Las Vegas, Saturdays and Sundays, 10 to midnight. Tremendous show over there, him and Tom Barton. Tim, really appreciate you spending some time on your Friday. Have a great weekend, my friend. I'll see you out there out there about on the sports beat, my friend, and uh, uh, have a great weekend, okay? 
Thanks, Chris. Always appreciate it, bro. Yeah. Tim Oglesby right there. Thanks. So there you go. Uh, a lot to uh, see this weekend when it comes to sports and, and Vegas. Like, it happens every weekend. And this, this isn't shocking. And uh, the Pro Bowl festivities is going to highlight it this weekend with all the superstars from the NFL in town. We'll take our last break, and then we'll close out the week. PTL style, folks. I'm Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. It's Pushing the Limits coming away live and 1400 KSHP and across the World Wide Web on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. We'll continue after this. Buddy, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement, and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. The Klondike Casino is a friendly local spot that features their signature restaurant, the Klondike Grill, serving up fresh food fast. Open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner just off the 95 freeway on Sunset Road in Henderson. You will find the Klondike Casino featuring all your favorite games from the strip in the comfort of a neighborhood casino. You can place a bet at their full-service sports book or start your day with a breakfast plate that comes with your choice of potato and toast. Or check us out for lunch or dinner and try one of our many sandwiches like the popular beer-battered fish sandwich or the Philly cheesesteak. Check out the full menu at klondikesunset.com. PTL Vegas coming away live on a Friday. I'm Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. Brian, back in studio on Monday, taking back over the show. Thanks to Thomas Moskal, who's hosted some shows. and I've had a chance to uh, get in here and rant and rave a little bit and uh, spar spar a little bit with the callers. It's always fun. 
and uh, always look forward to it. I get a chance to join Brian usually once a week across. Usually it's on Mondays, but I don't know if I'm going to be on Monday just because of the circumstances. He's coming back back into the mix. But we'll see what happens as uh, we roll into the weekend. Kind of big news coming out of the NBA as the uh, Brooklyn Nets, one of the contenders in the Eastern Conference. They're sitting right now, I believe, uh, they're, what, 31-20 and 20 out of the season and smack dab in the middle of the Eastern race, but they've lost seven of their last 11. Uh, their star, Kevin Durant, went down with an MCL strain, so there, it's questionable as to uh, what his availability would be rolling up in towards the playoffs here. But Kyrie Irving, the uh, much-talked-about point guard, obviously one of the more talented point guards in the NBA, one of the best players in the NBA, quite frankly, has requested a trade today. The NBA's trading deadline is next Thursday, so just a matter of days before that, Kyrie Irving has decided, and look, he was in the midst of contract negotiations with the Nets all through, I believe he started talking about this or started requesting this back before the season started, and there's been no progress made whatsoever with the Nets. And he has a max deal, making somewhere in the Nets of $40 bucks a year, something like that. But uh, Kyrie Irving apparently does not believe that he should be part of the mix when it comes to the Nets and their championship possibilities. So it looks like he could be headed out of town. A lot of people, uh, uh, people, I mean, I'm saying teams, uh, probably would be interested. The Los Angeles Lakers, of course, at the top of the list. And Kyrie has talked about that. He hasn't given the Brooklyn Nets a list of teams that he would like to go to. But, uh, when you're a guy that what averages what 25 and five essentially that he does and is pretty much one of the top point guards in the game. You're going to garner interest despite the fact that of his viewpoints and his off the, off the court. Uh, activities and incidents and statements that he's made. He's still a great player. So they're going to, there's going to be teams out there looking at him. The Dallas Mavericks, another team that's been talked about that could possibly be in the mix. I think that'd be kind of a weird situation with him and, and Luka Doncic in that backcourt. But hey, uh, I guess you could, uh, see it possibly happening, but I don't think there's any question, uh, that there's going to be some suitors for him and, Los Angeles would be obviously, I mean, to me, I would just be, oh my gosh, can you imagine the drama? There's already drama in LA anyway. It's the Lakers. There's drama around that team, no matter what, with LeBron and AD and it being in LA, uh, adding Kyrie Irving to that mix. And of course, uh, look, it'd be great for the, great for media outlets. I know that it'd be great for, for talk shows like ours, uh, as far as, uh, and the sports media in general. But uh, I don't know how good that'd be for the Los Angeles Lakers as far as on the court, but we shall see. So Kyrie Irving looks like it's going to be in the mix and uh, as far as a guy that could be shipped out of town as soon as next week. So uh, it didn't really work out, right, for the Brooklyn Nets as far as uh, what their their ultimate dream was when you make when, when you bring in the likes of uh, of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and you build that team and even some other pieces like Blake Griffin that came in there and and some other players that were uh, that were surrounding those guys. The idea was we're going to take Brooklyn to a championship, maybe multiple championships. You know, be a team that was going to you know contend with the likes of the Golden State Warriors in the West and the Milwaukee Bucks in the East and the Sixers in the East. And look, they're still in the mix. They're thirty-one and twenty. I get it, but it hasn't turned out to be the fairy tale exactly that they wanted there in Brooklyn with the Nets. It did not turn out. To, at least it hasn't as of right now. And if Kyrie Irving's traded, then it's going to be essentially Kevin Durant and uh, and a group of guys right there playing 
in Brooklyn. No disrespect to some of the, you know, quality players they have there, but it's not, you know, you're not going to have the two superstar situation that you have. So that's going on in the NBA and we'll see what other moves get made with respect to the trade deadline coming up later next week. A lot of action going on here in Vegas. We're looking forward to it this weekend as the uh, Pro Bowl festivities come to town. Not going to be your typical Pro Bowl weekend. Not a regular football game. We've got a flag football game going down. You've got the skills competitions. And then you've got Vegas. So you know the deal. There's going to be parties going on all over the Strip. You're going to have every, you know, every hotel, every club. Everything that's going down with that is going to be a Vegas-esque weekend. So that'll be super cool. We're coming off the... East-West Shrine game last night where the college All-Stars were on display. Not a high-scoring game by any stretch of the imagination, but in games like that, what was really cool for me to actually to actually watch that was the storylines. You get to hear the background of players, you know, where where, you know, the the uh, trials and tribulations they dealt with to get to wh- whatever college it is that they went to and look it's not just all division one stars there's guys that are that are playing at uh, smaller schools that are getting noticed in these college all-star games and and that will kind of spearhead their chances when it comes to the nfl draft so to me that's the most interesting part of something like the east west shrine game is the storylines and the background of the players so super cool that that was that was able to, to go down, and it's something I'm sure a lot of the, the players and their families that came here to Vegas for that game yesterday are going to be staying in town for the, the Pro Bowl festivities going on this weekend. So you've got UNLV taking on Fresno State tonight. We'll see if they can get revenge after that bad loss up in the San Joaquin Valley where Fresno State plays and uh, kind of embarrassing loss to a team that is solidly below 500. I want to say they're 7-14. and 14. The Fresno State Bulldogs are so UNLV will look to continue their winning ways after three straight wins in conference against the Bulldogs of Fresno State. You know, Kevin Kruger and his team are going to look to put up uh, a solid number offensively. You know, hopefully, I'm sure for them up in the 80s and 90s and uh, to go along with that defensive squad that he has over there with UNLV. So no question about it. it's going to be a lot of fun to see that. As well, too, and uh, get a chance to relax a little bit for me and uh, and enjoy the weekend. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks very much for everybody to uh, for listening and uh, watching all week long. Myself and Thomas Moskal filling in for Brian Shapiro. He's back on Monday, folks. So you're going to get Shat back in form, and uh, I'm sure he's going to be able to to uh, kind of give you details and tell you what's going on for the, for the last week and a half. It's been a really tough time, and and thoughts and prayers go out to Brian and the whole Shapiro family. Uh, for the loss of his beloved sister and I'm sure he's going to discuss that a lot as well too coming up on Monday. For all of us here at at, at, uh, PTL Vegas thanks to Mark Hayes for making the show sound good and running. Thanks to all the callers today and thanks to Tim Oglesby from Heatway Sports for joining us. It's Pushing the Limits coming your way live here every weekday noon to 2 here AM 1400 KSHP and streaming on the World Wide Web at all your favorite outlets from YouTube to TikTok to Twitter and beyond. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will talk to you again on Monday.